Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. So I don't know if you've heard, but apparently former NBA player Lamar Odom may be returning to professional basketball in Spain soon. He's been taking a new product he owes the credit to, Balance 7. Balance 7 is a pH balancing alkaline supplement drink. There's no denying it. Father time is undefeated. But products like Balance 7 help as it allows you to hydrate and recover faster as opposed to other sports drinks and traditional water. This is just one of the many perks of allowing you to handle your wear and tear as an athlete. And we all know the less things you have to worry about on the court, field, or wherever, the better. You can see how Balance 7 has helped. Didn't Lamar look good celebrity boxing with Aaron Carter? Head to Balance7.com and use the code BLEAVE for free shipping. That's Balance7.com and use code BLEAVE, B-L-E-A-V, for free shipping. I did. If it worked for him, it can work for you too. It's that time of year again, and all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including Online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL Mega Contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest, open now at Bet Online. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. Take advantage of their opening day super promo, which is make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th season opener between the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only when signing up and using promo code NFL100. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. At the 15, at the 10, at the 5, still going. For New Jones! Bullseye! It's a Buffalo touchdown! What's happening, my friends? Welcome back to another edition of Bullseye, the UB Bulls football podcast. I'm your host, Kyrie Demos, and I have a very special guest joining me today, Joe DeLeon, who is not only the producer of, you know, my show and a lot of other shows with Believe, but, you know, he's also a former college football player himself and, you know, has a lot of experience to share. So welcome, Joe. Yeah, thanks for hopping on. I, I always like hopping on and talking with other guys who, who played college football. It's it's a different experience when you're talking with other guys who know what that's what that's like. But excited to be here. I'm always down to talk some FCS football. So let's get into it. No doubt. And, you know, that's specifically why we have Joe on the show today. You know, him being our FCS expert with the Believe Podcast Network. You know, he played um, at the FCS level. So just talk a little bit about your experience as a player, Joe. Yeah, I played college football at the University of Rhode Island. I was a 
long snapper there uh, started in 39 career games played in 40. Um, so I, you know, I've, I've been in the shoes of what we're going to be talking about today with Wagner playing university of Buffalo. I've been in those shoes of those Wagner guys where you're traveling to a, a big, nice stadium. You're, you're playing a team that, and Buffalo is a really good football program where I've like played Mac teams played um, central Michigan played Ohio. So I know what it's like to play a team like Buffalo. I know what it's like to play against even a bigger program like Virginia tech. It's, it's certainly an odd experience when you're used to going up against a bunch of dudes that are of similar caliber. And in most cases though, I think what a lot of people don't necessarily realize is that a lot of these Mac guys have a lot of offers two FCS programs and they just choose to go play maybe more locally, or they choose to just play at the FBS level just because of the, you know, the name and the, and the level that it's at. But more often than not, some of these FCS programs have some really, really talented guys. And we've seen that we've seen them produce a number of NFL players over the past few years, not at the volume of the FBS programs, but there's always really, really good talent. And like last little thing thrown in there, I, I've spent a ton of time uh, up in Buffalo near the stadium, you know, every so often going and, and training up there with a, a kicking coach that I used to work with. So I'm <laughs> familiar with the facilities. I'm familiar with the stadium. So I, I know what it's like uh, trying to play up there in, in Buffalo. Oh yeah. It's uh it gets a little unforgiving once uh, November and December hit. So I, I definitely <laughs> can attest to that being born and raised here, but you know, that's awesome. And, and, you know, again, I, I really appreciate you coming on and being able to share all those experiences because, you know, I think it really does give a little bit more insight just knowing that you've been, like you said, you've, you've been in those cleats that those mm -hmm. kids um, have been in or that will, that they will be in uh, Thursday evening. So, you know, it's exciting to to see that football is back and in a somewhat normal capacity. Obviously, there's still things that are, you know, a lot are limiting us from being full fledged, living the lives that we lived uh, prior to COVID and all that. But at the same time, too, it's the closest thing we've got. So it's exciting. Right, right. Right. Yeah, it's certainly exciting to, you know, get to see some action and Buffalo is a good team. So there, this is a good way to start off and, and get an easy, uh, easy victory to get them rolling this year. <laughs> so, you know, just talking about the game opening up, you know, UB is going to be opening up the Mo Linguist era. You know, obviously Mo Linguist spent time with the Bulls during uh, the 2012 and 2013 seasons. But now with him taking over for Lance Leipold as he headed off to Kansas, you know, to think that, you know, again, we've, we've talked about it several times on the show, the fact that Coach Mo had such a short turnaround, but, you know, he really seems to have a, a, a roster that's locked and loaded, ready to go and to compete in the MAC. And, you know, that, that starts up front, you know, with some of the guys that he has returning on the offensive line with Jake Fusak and Jack Clank. And, you know, being able to have a quarterback and running back tandem and Kyle Van Treese and uh, Kevin Marks Jr. returning, you know, I think it, it's pretty big. So, you know, it should be interesting to see how the game plays out in that regard with the Bulls having, you know, a, a decent number of returning starters. Um, so just, just coming from the Wagner perspective, what, what are your thoughts on, you know, what, uh, what the program has put together over the last year and change um, with coach uh, Masala uh, returning? Yeah. And it, it's going to be really, really weird trying to get a gauge on this Wagner team because they only played two games uh, last season during the spring, they didn't play in the fall. And, and that's kind of the case here with a lot of these FCS teams where what you saw in the spring is not really going to be indicative of what you're going to see during the fall because, or this upcoming fall, 
because a lot of those guys, some of them transferred, some of these teams brought in transfers. Uh, you know, some of these, some of these rosters are just complete turnover and they look completely different because of the short turnaround that they have to get ready for this upcoming year. So there's a bit of a uncertainty, honestly, with this, with this Wagner roster. Like I can't even really truly pinpoint who is likely going to be the starting quarterback for this mm-hmm. team uh, because Ryan Yost has the most had the most experience, but I don't even see him listed on this roster anymore. So I can't even necessarily point to him. They were one and 11 in 2019 when they played and, and Yost was the starting quarterback. But right now, uh, you know, it just, it seems like who is going to be the guy is, uh, you know, starting a quarterback for them. Uh, I just had it. I'm trying to get it to pull back up, but uh, their, their website's not <laughs> loading properly for me, but you know, there, this is a, an inter- interesting opportunity, though, for, though for Wagner, because they're basically trying to bounce back from going zero and two in the spring and then one and eleven in the fall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to to think, yeah, like you mentioned, just one and thirteen in their last fourteen, um, not not uh, great for any level of football, but you know, especially coming up as an FCS team, going up to take on an FBS program, that's really in in a different stage, obviously coach linguist you know stepping in yes he's coming in and he's got to reload a little bit but this is a bulls team that got its first ap ranking um last season has won back-to-back bowl games has won or has had uh above five uh, at or above 500 seasons in each of the Mm -hmm. last four seasons so you know this is a team that's really emerging and you know to to think that you know with Wagner coming in, um, being in a spot where, you know, they, they are trying to, to, um, really get coach, um, uh, Tom Masella's, um, second stint with the program. Well, realistically his third, cause he actually played there. It was a hall of famer there. And also, uh, was it, uh, an associate head coach there before, but, you know, to think, you know, with him coming back and this being his first time as the head coach there, and, you know, well, he's really just still trying to establish himself. But again, too, like like you mentioned, you know, it's just a very, uh, very a lot of uh, uncharted territory. Just knowing that the spring, their first two games, they went and played. Second two games were canceled. And, you know, not too many FCS programs were, were even able to, to get any games in. Right. Yeah. You, you have a lot of these FCS programs that that barely got to play the ones that were the most healthy and, and didn't have the really any COVID issues were the ones that made the playoff. Basically Um, anyone that was competitive enough to, to stay out there on the field and didn't have any injuries, didn't have those COVID cases was in at least some sort of contention, but like Wagner is like the biggest question mark in the sense where like we, I can't really even truly pinpoint who, or how this roster is going to be constructed because a lot mm. of the names from last year, some of them aren't even really on this, this team anymore, or they're shifted right. around. There's some young guys that have, that have certainly popped up. But I mean, the simplest way to ultimately put it is that this Buffalo team is definitely going to outmatch a team that has only played two games since the 2019 season. No doubt. Yeah. And, that, and that, that's a very fair point. Even to think UB season was, was cut short and they still finished six and one, you know, still that's all, that's almost um triple of what, or a quadruple of what the uh, Seahawks had played or is it Sea Wolves or Seahawks? Uh, they're the Seahawks. Seahawks is Stony Brook, which is it's say. easy to confuse the two because they're the the two smaller schools that are in that that area of uh, near New York City and Long Island. 
Gotcha, gotcha. So, yes, just thinking of, you know, what the, the Seahawks um, have facing them, you know, it, it could be an uphill climb. So just just talking about, you know, some of those potential players, you know, I, I saw that Chris uh, Collier was able to have, you mm-hmm. know, a, a decent um standing um during those first two spring games and then also too just looking at some of their defensive players that are listed on this year's roster um and you know our potential returning starters like titus leo who's the leading tackler for the team in the spring and uh nasim bassett as well coming back at db and john joya at linebacker Mm -hmm. as well as uh trey valor so just you know is there a specific name or a specific player that you think joe could be an x factor in this game with the bulls Right. If I were to pick a, a specific X factor, you have to go right to Titus Leo. He's a Buck Buchanan award watchless player. And for mm-hmm. the FBS fans that are unfamiliar with what the Buck Buchanan is, it's the best defensive player in the country. It's basically the defensive Heisman for the FCS level mm-hmm. to be on that watch list is a pretty clear indication of how talented Titus Leo is in the mm-hmm. limited playing time that they had in the spring. He was still managing to be very very productive and the guys that he played around with last time they played in 2019 really I think Mm -hmm. helped Titus Leo learn and develop and turn into the defensive weapon that he is the one most notable that I that I point to immediately is Cam Gill who won a Super Mm -hmm. Bowl with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as a rookie and I got the chance to speak to Cam Gill and he spoke so highly uh, of his defensive teammates so I think Titus Leo obviously falls into that conversation Mm -hmm. if anyone's going to just randomly in this blowout what is likely going to be a blowout game if anyone just randomly has uh, a a, you know a crazy performance in like maybe like a sack or two and a couple tackles for loss and you're just Mm -hmm. like nobody did anything but this one guy did something Titus Leo is going to be the guy most definitely yeah just looking at you know his numbers from the spring mind you these guys only played two games he still finished with 15 total tackles two sacks two forced fumbles and four Mm -hmm. tfls i mean really filling up the stat sheet um you know for for a defensive unit that that really needed a playmaker out there and you know he he was definitely the name that that piqued my interest when i was looking into um just some of what the seahawks um, will be having uh, on the field thursday evening you know for for me i think the x factor you know who will be on the opposite side um specifically on the uh Bulls defense um, is Taylor Riggins. You know, he he was an all-MAC, first-team all-MAC selection for the Bulls in 2019. Just put up monster numbers, you know, with eight and a half sacks and um, ten tackles, for, ten and a half tackles for loss. And, you know, just a guy who's shown to, you know, be a a force at the edge position, you know, what in, in keeping the lineage going. Obviously, people remember Khalil Mack, but, you know, guys like Stephen Means, Damone Harris, um, Colby Way, you know, just so many names in the in the UB program's history um, of, of, of dominant edge players. So I'm um, just even thinking of Malcolm um, Noche, who who uh, was a third round pick with the Raiders this past spring. So just to think of, you know, him returning after missing all the 2020 season um, with an injury in knowing that, you know, he was a, an all-MAC level performer in, in 2019. I'm sure he's chomping at the bit um, to get back to it. And, uh, you know, it's going to be exciting to see uh, how he can uh, match up against the uh, C- Seahawks uh, front front five. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that that front five for the Seahawks, they do have you know a relatively experienced offensive line. It's not like it's a young group that they're going to be facing. I, that obviously comes with a grain of salt. Uh, an experienced NEC team is not going to be comparable to an experienced offensive line on a MAC team. But mm-hmm. uh, they they do have a you know a quality starting offensive line that they will, if I were to guess, have their hands full in this matchup against UB. No doubt. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. You know, just thinking about, you know, one thing that I thought was one of the cooler things about UB as a team coming into uh, the 2021 season was, you know, there was a lot of different transfers that came in, thinking of Jamarcus Ingram from Texas A&M, thinking of Keon Williams on the offensive side at receiver. But at the same time, too, I I really believe that, you know, some of these names on the defensive front um, are going to be able to contribute. There's, you know, a few different transfers that came in and um, just even also having guys returning like – like Max Michelle and Eric Black um, after getting meaningful snaps last season. I think it's going to be very beneficial. But, again, just just thinking about some of these transfers, I'm just pulling up their names here. Um, We've got – well, first off, it's – Josh Rogers coming over from Texas A&M, you know, obviously mm-hmm. coming from a, a power five conference, that's, you know, a, a name that everybody is, you know, hoping can fill in and, you know, be an impact player right away. And also um, Deshaun Folsom from Hutchinson Community College and Damon Williams from Cisco College. So as well as Tyler Carter. Um, so, you know, just thinking about some guys that potentially could, you know, be starters throughout the season, but also some guys that, you know, could just be helping filling in with depth because we all know the teams that we see September 2nd um, are not going to be the teams we see come November, December, potentially January. So, you know, it's going to be intriguing to watch how that line um, rotates and if if, um, those guys are kept fresh throughout, um, throughout the action. Right, right. Those transfers, I think, are, you know, super big for for any Mac type team. If, you, if you're bringing in guys from programs like Texas A&M and the same thing goes for these FCS teams as they try to get as many transfers as possible. Uh, you know, like even you can point to the fact that the guy who's expected to start in this game, Jalen Frazier, uh, Georgia Southern transfer, like any of those transfers for these smaller programs is always really, really big in a, in a game like this. No doubt. Alrighty, I've got another question for you, Joe, but before we get going. Just wanted to share something. We've got exciting news. Our pod is partnering with PlayActionPools.com this season to bring some interactive fun to the sport we love most. You'll be able to get in on the action with our PlayActionPools.com football pick'em challenge, which is open to everyone. Here's how it works: Sign up for our contest, Believe Football Pick'em, at PlayActionPools.com, and then get your picks in each week. We're going to select the 10 highest profile games of the week between NFL and college football. Whoever gets the most picks correct each week will win a pair of electro- or electric sunglasses and a pair of DC shoes. Again, go to playactionpools.com and sign up for the contest. That's Bleav, B-L-E-A-V, football pick'em. And if you plan on hosting your own football contest, go to playactionpools.com today. They've got Survivor, Pick'em, as well as cool sportsbook-style concept, which is called Build Your Bankroll. Playactionpools.com, your new home for all your office sports pools. So just getting back into the content, you know, just just thinking about where Wagner is as a program versus UB as a program, you know, what is your biggest question going into this matchup? 
uh, for, the, that, for Wagner um, specifically. Right. I, I think that the, the biggest question, and, and this can go for the entirety of the season. And I, you know, I just mentioned Jalen Frazier, who's going to be the starting quarterback here, uh, mm-hmm. grad transfer guy listed as a redshirt senior. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it, I'm going to be always keyed in on, do they have a guy at the helm that could run things as, as you know, and handle this offense as a starting quarterback. Mm-hmm. It's not always an immediate plug and play. I think as many people might expect when you have an FBS to an FCS transfer. Mm-hmm. I remember my sophomore year, we had two guys transfer in from central Florida and one from New Mexico. And we had high expectations for both of them. One of them didn't necessarily pan out and he ended up getting benched halfway through the season. The mm-hmm. other guy who, was supposed to be not as good, ended up being an all-conference player and also, uh, you know, got an invite to the NFL PA ball. So, like, it, it's nice. really hit or miss with some of these guys because they just need the shot to show off and the shot mm-hmm. to really prove themselves. And this is a chance for a guy like Frazier to, to open the, the gates or maybe stumble out and start the season slow. No doubt. And, you know, I think that's a very fair point. There, there's just so many. Um, I feel like when when you're at a point, um, like Wagner is where, like you said, you know, obviously having so little to come off of from the spring, but at the same time too, just knowing that, you know, Hey, listen, this game really is a measuring stick type of game. So it's, it, it goes to show, Hey, you know, more than anything, who's willing to come out and play and, you know, take the the bull by the horns, no pun intended, and and, and try to, you know, really just, um, you know, step up and, and make as many plays as possible. You know, there's going to be a lot of plays out there to be made. So, you know, but at the same time, too, um, just just knowing that, yes, this is a, a, a team that's considered by many to be much uh, highly favored over Wagner, who is willing to step up in that moment. So I totally understand that. And, you know, just my, my biggest question for the UB side really is, you know, what is the imprint that Coach Molinguis is going to have early on. You know, I know he's a defensive guy, um, having played safety um, at Baylor and just all his, his experiences um, with defenses um, throughout the Power Five, coaching with the Cowboys last season in the NFL. You know, what what is his imprint going to be? You know, he, he's a very detail-oriented guy. He's a very high-intensity guy and, you know, does, does that play into, you know, some of the schemes that him and Joe Cawthon um, concoct, you know, whether it's a more aggressive st- aggressive style, things of that nature, you know? So I, I just think that, yes, he does have some familiarity with the program and, you know, people may, oh, you know, Coach Mo, yeah, we remember him. But, you know, this is going to be the first time we see his defense in the uh, black and blue. So um, it, it should be very intriguing. Alrighty. So just moving ahead now, you know, just, just thinking about, you know, Wagner to me, I think one thing that's going to be interesting too about this game is just knowing how, you know, yes, UB's offensive line has some moving parts, um, you know, but they've been one of the most dominant offensive lines at the FBS level over the last uh, two seasons, only giving up two sacks, you know, just what are your thoughts on Wagner's defense? Um, just looking back to the spring, the team only allowed um, 22 points per game. You know, the Bryant game, they only allowed 322 yards of offense and then 339 uh, yards of offense against Duquesne. So just mm-hmm. thinking about, you know, those numbers, um, when you also combine that with the fact that um, the team 
only had only scored seven points in those two games offensively. Um, just just thoughts on, you know, what Wagner's defense um, could bring to the table. Yeah, you have to kind of provide some context for who they played there. And, it, mm-hmm. and I think on paper, those numbers sound great, but yeah. they played Duquesne and they played Bryant Duquesne. Right. Uh, you know, an average to above average NEC team. Bryant has always been a, a very middling to low quality NEC team. Mm-hmm. So defensively, though, they get the job done against these these smaller programs. They're mm-hmm. going to dominate some of the the weaker NEC programs like LIU and Merrimack, mm-hmm. but they tend to struggle against these stronger quality opponents. The the ones that are at the higher level of the in-conference, the the ones that are at the higher level of the FCS. So this is a situation where they've really only got one guy who's going to cause some problems. And then the remaining group is average in terms of, you know, athleticism and talent compared to what they're going to be going against at UB. Most definitely. And, you know, I'm glad you, you shared that because, you know, that was my thinking was like, Hey man, they obviously, I mean, seven points in two games offensively. They, you, there's no getting around that. That's not good. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just seeing some of the the defensive numbers um, and just thinking of some of those those names we talked about earlier, like Leo and Barnett and um, Joya and Valor, like those those seem like they see the, the Seahawks seem to have much more of a presence um, with their defensive side of the ball. So, you know, it, it really was something that I, I figured, hey, we might as well check in and, and, and see about that. But like you said, mm-hmm. you know, I think it, it's it's the context does matter because, you know, yes, it's great that they did have those showings and it's great that they were able to, you know, slow down some teams. Um, the most they gave, uh, they gave up, I believe it was 17 to uh, Duquesne and 27 to Bryant. But either way, just knowing that, you know, both teams – are you know considered above average to below average um just in that range very middling like you mentioned um i I think that's very a very fair point so um it's good to 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 hear you know someone who actually has their their ears to the ground um at the fcs level um when it comes to that yeah and and one last thing on on talking about this wagner team Mm -hmm. just the, the the full landscape i think a lot of fbs fans don't really always understand how the the landscape works for the FCS because like we we know at the FBS level that the SEC is the best conference and we know who is close and competitive we know the the best group of five conferences like the MAC and the, yeah. the American but you know in this circumstance the NEC is probably the worst or the second worst conference in the FCS like this mm-hmm. is to me uh, you know, a conference that is consistently struggling to compete with any of the good teams. Uh, mm-hmm. They typically put out one good program that competes yeah. um, for the playoff and it's typically sacred heart. And they mm-hmm. usually struggle when they play teams in the playoff because they're just not as gifted enough uh, talent wise. And I, look, this is for me, I just look at it perfectly as the ideal buy game for a brand new head coach. Most definitely. Um, uh, you know, you're, you talked a ton about the, the background that, um, you know, we're getting here with, with Mo um, Linguist. Is that how you pronounce the last name? Linguist. Yep. Linguist. Linguist. My apologies. No but worries. like I, I was looking at his background while you were talking. I'm like, this guy comes from so many good programs. He played college ball. He was with the Cowboys at one point. Right. He is going to be a really good coach. And I think mm-hmm. that this game is going to provide them the ability as long as, 
they don't get too ahead of themselves because we see that happen all the time where they right. just assume that they can knock the, the crap out of who they're going to play mm-hmm. and it ends up being closer than it should be. Right. But, it, you know, if that happens, this is going to be a good game to just get the kinks out, work on some stuff offensively, uh, get in some of the backups and move on to the next game. No doubt. And, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that, um, you know, taking your eyes off of what's in front of you, you know, that got the Bulls in trouble um, back in 2016, you know, taking a loss to uh, Albany and same situation, you know, playing an FCS opponent before they played a, another non-conference game against an uh, FBS opponent and, you know, got the uh, the Bulls, you know, knocked right on their keisters to, to say the least. So, you know, that's something that I know just having – been in a locker room that coach Mo was coaching, you know, he's not going to, he's not going to look at Wagner as, Oh, Hey guys, this is a buy. He's preparing as if this was Alabama, if this was, you know, ball state, you know, the defending Mac champs or, you know, any program in between. So, you know, I I think that's, that's the one thing too, that is exciting about having a guy like Mo Linguis is, you know, he, he, he's a very, like I mentioned, he's a high intensity guy. But he truly respects the process. And I think when you have a coach that has that mentality and um, a staff that is very veteran and, you know, experienced like that, you know, other guys who have coached in the NFL, guys who've coached in power conference, power five conferences and, and other big programs and winning programs, to say the least. You know, I think that's something that that goes a long way. Yeah, that that level of, of coaching experience, I think, always sets up guys at these these smaller programs to hit the ground running and then mm-hmm. open the door for themselves to get uh, a bigger job like Lance Leopold did. Mm-hmm. Um, when you have that experience at a NFL team and a team like Michigan mm-hmm. and Texas A&M, stuff like that is is really going to help start things off for, for some early success. Absolutely. Alrighty, Joe, before I let you go, just wanted to ask you quick about, you know, an outcome, potential outcome of the game. And, you know, just even um, like you mentioned, some of the FCS fans out there, what this game could be bigger picture wise uh, for the Seahawks. Yeah, this, you know, this, this game, I think is going to be a big bump in the road for them. Uh, Mm. It sucks going and traveling. As I was saying earlier, I, I, traveled to play Kansas my freshman year mm-hmm. and got smacked by them. And then you just get on the bus and you kind of take, take your lumps. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can stay f- close and fight my second year, we played central Michigan and we, um, we ended up going to double overtime. So it's kind of a different, wow. different sphere, but it, they're going to get knocked around. They're going to get beaten up in this game, get out as healthy as you can. And I think that the outlook for the season, it's mm-hmm. up in the air. You've got a really talented quarterback coming from an, an FBS program. You've got some talented mm-hmm. defenders. They can make some noise in the NEC, but in terms mm-hmm. of expectations for facing off against Buffalo, I'd keep them pretty low if I'm a Wagner fan. Most definitely. And I'm glad you mentioned Kansas because the amount of people, I would be at the supermarket, <laughs> I'd be out. Why did Coach Leipold go to Kansas? There were... In my opinion, there were several reasons, but you even just mentioning an FCS program coming up to Kansas and still handling business. I mean, that's still FBS, Big 12 football, no matter how up and down that program has been over the years, mostly down, um, you know, that right. you still got to respect that. So, you know, I, I think uh, just just like you said, you know, thinking about this from the UB side, 
Um, you know, this is a game where, yes, it could be considered a buy. You know, I'm interested to see how long Kevin Marks Jr. plays and Kyle Van Treese plays. I'm interested to see, you know, do they air it out a little bit? Do they run the ball? Are they more vanilla um, with the schemes with Coach Montgomery, with Coach Shane Montgomery, um, the OC? So, you know, just just what what is the plan of attack here for the Bulls? Do they try to jump on them early? Um, and try to, you know, get as many young guys in and, and, and uh, backups and twos in um, as soon as possible, you know, because, hey, you know, the the, the, the two weeks following um, the UB or the uh, Wagner game, um, heading down to Nebraska and then taking on Coastal Carolina um, for the second home game, which is, you know, against the number two or number 22 um, ranked team in, in the country uh, at the FBS level. So, you know, UB has a lot of things on the horizon, um, you know, just, just thinking about where the program has been over the last handful of years. But I think, like you mentioned, to be having a new coach coming in, um, really trying to establish himself and um, build his own culture. I won't say lay a foundation because it's more so extending his culture and imprinting his culture on the program. Um, I don't think they could have asked for you know, too many better opponents, let alone those at the FCS level. So um, it should be um, a, a game that Bulls fans are excited about. And um, just knowing that, 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 that they'll be able to be in the house, too, is, is pretty riveting, too, knowing that, you know, they didn't get to see arguably the best UB team in program history uh, just last fall. So, alrighty, that works for me, guys. Um, Joe, again, much appreciated, and your your insight um, is very invaluable. So, I thank you so much for coming on, and thank you for all you do for Believe and uh, giving me the opportunity to be with the, with your guys' uh, podcast network. So, just thank you for everything. And um, Bulls fans, we'll, we'll definitely be keeping you guys um, in the know on everything. Um, so, this is it for now, but we'll talk soon. Um, Horns up, and uh, we'll talk to you guys later. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube